gents, welcome to A Thompson and Other Disappointments, episode whatever the fuck it is that we're on now. I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't do any prep. Um, I don't have an LBC budget behind me. I have kids. I have no time. Uh, so here it is. That's your intro. Uh, it's, it's a weird and wonderful time out there at the moment. Lots going on. Climate change is threatening our very existence. Pandemics are threatening our very existence. Brexit is threatening, well, not our very uh, existence, but it's just fucking shit, all right? Uh, then there's a cost of living crisis, uh, mortgages are doubling, um, there's an incoming buy-to-let bloodbath, uh, that's happening soon, look out for that, that's where your landlord passes on their hiked mortgage to you, and you get propelled out of the security of your rental home onto the street... It's like, at, at least in some parts of the US, they have the climate where you could consider like living in a tent for a bit until you sort yourself out. Over here, it's going to get really bad. It already is bad. Things are just really fucking bad, guys. Which is why I brought one of my favorite guests uh, back from the, the last bunch of uh, shows uh, to cheer us all up. Um, as I say, one of my faves from the last batch. Uh, please welcome back to the show, host of the What She Said podcast, professional podcast producer and all-round good egg, Lucy Lucraft. Woo! Hello. Hello. How you doing? All right? I'm all right. I'm all right. <clears throat> A bit tipsy. A little bit. Well, that's what you're good. in. in <laughs> good stead then, in, in perfect form for this show. Um, last time we caught up, we got a bit of an inkling into your life as a podcast producer. Um, let's let's sort of rewind a little bit on that, and uh, perhaps you could provide us a little bit of an intro, Lucy, uh, into what you do. Oh, yeah. It's really hard to describe what I do, and I've actually been thinking of not rebranding, but sort of maybe clarifying what I do. Um, I was going to talk to you about this, actually, like offline. Okay. Slide into your DMs and ask so I am a podcast producer, so I make people, help people make their podcasts for them. And it could be anyone. I have like lots of different uh, from clients from corporate to solopreneurs um, and all the nuts and bolts of a podcast. And as you know, there are many. Mm. Um, I do the whole thing. But as it goes... The title podcast producer, I think, sometimes alienates people a little bit. I think they don't know what that is. Mm. And I sort of was thinking, maybe I should just say podcast manager, because essentially that's what I'm doing. I guess I'm, um, yeah, like podcast yeah. management, podcast producer, new media consultant, perhaps. Oh, <laughs> I like you know? it. New media consultant. That I'm sounds just... more... Um, that's like the boomer version, isn't it? Do you think <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm showing my age? I don't know. I'm just thinking, like you know, if you were like if you were um, a managing director of a company and you were thinking about you know starting a podcast about paperclips or about <clears throat> about uh, the uh, cycling industry or you know or something, you if you're in your fifties and sixties. If you saw podcast producer written somewhere, you would that feel intimidating? A little bit like new, foreign. Yeah. Whereas new media consultant, they would be like, oh, okay, all right. I like that. That's a good idea. So that is for LinkedIn, isn't it? That's yeah. what I need to save that for. Yeah. 
maybe i don't know i mean look if you don't like like i i appreciate you saying yeah i like it it would probably make funnier content mm. from my perspective if you were like i fucking hate that i'm not calling myself that <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I mean I'm... you're the comedian i can't do this well i don't know you were pretty funny last time you were on so um uh well, hence, <laughs> hence hence one of the reasons i was keen to get you back on um one of the things i wanted to talk to you about uh tonight so last time you were on uh we talked we talked about two or three different topics um but since then the uk has sort of i it, in my opinion has begun really kind of circling the drain i think last time you're on we talked a little bit about whether we have faith in 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 the country and sort of how we get through <laughs> the longer days and the tougher news stories um yeah. uh it feels to me like we are we, we've gone down like another level in terms of the uh, uh, the depression stakes nationally. Um, we're now firmly in a cost of living crisis. I mentioned in the intros like mortgages are out of control. Yeah. Um, I saw a tweet earlier by a guy who was incensed, understandably. He said his his landlord had just raised his rent or attempted to raise his rent by five hundred pounds a month. I was like, what? And he goes, um. He says, I'm refusing to pay the hiked up fees. Um, and then there was a load of people underneath saying, yeah, well, that will be your buy-to-let landlord whose buy-to-let mortgage, he would have just remortgaged. And now the hiked up mortgages are now getting passed out. Like, so hence my sort of introduction there. Like, it feels like all of this shit is really coming home to roost now. Um, do you have, like, has, has your faith improved in the UK since the last time we caught up? Or like, where are you at now? Yeah, sure. I, <laughs> I love it here. Uh, no, it's it's depleted massively. But I just actually, I, I know we didn't talk about this before, but when you were talking about mortgages and, you know, landlords, it, it unlocked a bit of a memory of someone saying on TikTok, I keep seeing landlords mm. on TikTok sort of complaining about, you know, actually it's really hard for us. It's really hard for us too. And I wanted to talk to that because my husband is in property. Uh like he works with he works with really rich people now, but he used to be an estate agent and worked with also really rich people right. buying houses. But um I remember him always saying to me the majority of landlords are accidental landlords, as in That's true, yeah. they are people who already, this is like, I'm not defending them, by the way. They're accidental landlords in that, say, two people who, who both own a property meet and go, hey, well, let's pool our resources. Let's buy a new property. We've both got separate properties. Or maybe yeah. let's sell one and keep the other one for rental. Yeah. Okay, fine, whatever. And it isn't passive income. It is hard work on some levels. But I... It should be. <laughs> it should be fucking hard work. Like, yeah. You're getting a lot of money. And yeah, okay, you're not getting 100%. Uh, like, there aren't, there are overheads. Mm. There are, like, there's a time investment, there's an energy investment, and there's a monetary investment. You're not getting 100% of the rental income back in your bank account. No. But yeah. that's not, like, why would you think that that's the thing? Like, it's, it's an no, important... I just have no sympathy for that about it yeah i mean <laughs> it's none. it's it's an important point to nail home and i i spoke to a guy called graham fuck me i can't remember his name now um he's on tiktok he's quite big and <laughs> he does like uh he does sort of money matters and like 
mortgage stuff but he tries to make it a bit funny and it, he appears to me to be a tory i don't know if he would identify as one but uh he, he has he showcases a lot of conservative attributes i'll just say that um and he was on the show <laughs> a few months ago uh and I was saying to him, I was like, I don't have an issue with landlords. My girlfriend is a landlord. Like, I get it in the ear constantly about the the, um, the challenges that they're up against, the bad reputations that they get as a result of, like, crooked landlords and bad apples. And, um, yeah. I like, I actually, I, I have, maybe sympathy is too big a word for it, but I, I understand some of the frustrations that they have. So you've alluded to very articulately a minute ago to to a couple of them um from what i'm led to believe it's like yeah they it would be precisely that you'll have a say a boyfriend and a girlfriend like traditionally they both will own a one bed flat she'll move into his place maybe um and then she doesn't want to let go of her investment because it's her maybe her nest egg or whatever and what if the relationship doesn't pan out so then they hold on to it and they rent it out um, that generates some income, but it's not like she's made, like, let's say it's a London one bed flat and it's going for like 1400 a month. She doesn't make 1400 a month. She's not like some 17th century fucking land baron with like a massive medallion and a fur jacket. It's like, she's got to pay the mortgage that she still has on that. And then there's, it's a buy to let mortgage then, which is more expensive than a regular mortgage. Um, she has to pay for her accountant. She's got to sort out all like her books and everything. Every I'm not saying it's it's the hardest job in the world because I often take the piss out of my girlfriend <laughs> for like when she's like, I, don't, oh, I I have work to do too. I'm like, do you? Do you really? Um, uh, I'm like I'm the I'm at my worst as a partner when we're talking about like our. Um, our workloads because i'm like i could i could do your fucking job in like two days ever but like <laughs> and she's like oh rit like <laughs> um but they do anyway my point is landlords do have you know that it's actually the other way around today you know that it's the other way around <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> she could do it she could do yeah. it better and quicker <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> that's exactly it she's just way more efficient than i am um but uh but yeah no my, my point is that you know it's not easy work they do have to work uh, they don't get to keep all the money they are landlords of convenience a lot of the time you're right and most landlords only own like one investment property that they have then rented out right um so it's not fair to to tar them all with the same brush in that respect i don't i don't jump onto this sort of bandwagon of like all landlords are are leeches and land hogs and that's why there's a housing crisis it's like no mate tell <laughs> build some fucking houses well that i think yeah no i agree with you but i also think it's really difficult to like be a socialist if you own more than one property yeah yeah and i'm not i'm not suggesting that anyone's claiming they are a socialist and they own a second property but that's why I don't feel sorry for them mm. because it should be hard. It should be hard. It should like you deserve to earn money from it because you paid for it or whatever, but that's another job. And yeah. It should be just like any other job. You are taxed on that job. Yeah. With inconveniences to it. Well, also, you know, I, I just, they, I find it frustrating. I, I feel like the criticism that they attract though, it always seems to overlook the, and now I feel like I'm defending landlords to the hill. Right. But, I, I do feel there's a case to be made that <laughs> that 
that in every major developed country there are landlords right you can either buy a property here or you can rent yeah, a property yeah. there and there's an argument to be made that in developed nations you're going to have academics technologists lawyers that will be contracted over to Birmingham for like six months to do. They don't want to buy a fucking house there. So there should be a rental market. It's just that it should be saturated by house building and the options to buy. But when when people don't have any options, <laughs> when there's no alternative and you're just like, yeah, I want another 500 quid a month. Like, like that's when I think people get really no. irate about it. You are right, and I think what you're alluding to is that it's kind of a distraction, isn't it, to, like, start pitting each other against, mm. it. like, it's the same as everything, you know, nurses being on strike. Oh, what about the poor patients? It, like, it's such a distraction because, actually, the person who is responsible is none of us. Yeah. It's at the top. Did you see that clip went viral earlier um, of Marina Perkis, Jeremy Vine, and this caller, Kath? Kath from Yorkshire. Did you see it? Oh, yes, I saw that. <laughs> Bloody loved it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so for the benefit of listeners, right, who might not know what we're talking about. So there was a lady who phoned into the Jeremy Vine show on Channel 5, and she was, you might have to fill in the blanks now because I saw like the last bit of it, but it was, um, I think she was fearful of a Labour government. And Marina said, why is it that you're scared mm. of a Labour government? And... I can't remember what she said then, but it sort of all seemed to come unraveling very quickly. And it ended up with Marina saying yeah. like, I can tell what paper you read, like just by the stuff that you're, re and then this woman was like, I don't, I don't read. <laughs> I don't read anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, and then I saw people it like, amazing. I saw people quote tweeting this and saying like, this is everything that's wrong though with the left is they're so, sc they scoff and they sneer and they're snarky. And I'm just like, just fucking own it. This woman phoned up, said that, I think she was upset that um, people were striking for more money than she gets in her pension. And I'm like, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're on yeah. a pension. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't have an increase in your pension, but that's your thing. You protest about that. Like, yeah. form lobby group. Like, why, why is it there this sort of race to the bottom mentality in this country? It's like... But I think also to Marina's point, because Marina pointed out at, when she said that, was like, yeah, you, like, that is, like, essentially, this was not verbatim. <laughs> but she was like, yeah, that's shit. That, like, you're in a shit situation and that's not fair for you. Yeah. Yeah. And well, this is that, what I mean. That is it, 100%, isn't it? And she just couldn't see it at all. Yeah. But it's it's the same thing that gets wheeled out with... Um, so let's say the train it's not just train drivers it's like you know train staff as a whole right mm. they're striking to get a better pay deal and yeah, then the, yeah but like mm. the, then the right-wing rags will say um how can they justify striking to get fifty-two thousand pounds a year that's more than a nurse makes and it's like yeah, again like what like <laughs> so give the nurses more money you dumb twats like what <laughs> the fuck are you talking about <laughs> In no other scenario would we ever be pitting other jobs against each other. But in this situation, like two completely different jobs that are nothing to do with each other, that aren't paid out of the same pot, really, mm. um, are pitted against each other. And the thing that really annoys me about the um, 
the rail strikes is that we're all forgetting that this is privatized yeah. why are we forgetting this because yeah those companies can pay more it's yeah. yeah also the government could pay more to the nurses like it would be really great if we could all recommend that <laughs> it's yeah it's probably not mentioned so much because most of the newspapers are right-wing and then most of the news shows yeah. take their talking points from the newspapers first off and so it's not beneficial to the narrative that they try to weave to highlight the failures of privatization like i always say <clears throat> you can privatize industries but just don't do it where they are a monopoly so like if you need to get into london from brighton that you have one option right train wise is to like jump yeah. on that one train line if you wrap private privatization around that it's not going to work out well because there's no <laughs> there's no competition and like you can award or okay. you know reaward the the line to a different provider every four years or whatever nine. <laughs> yeah but it's like i mean they're just gonna they're gonna milk as much money as they can in those four years that they're running it and then they'll go oh well we had a good run and then and then they'll take over the one like i don't know the northeastern line or something and then milk that for another four. like it's fucking yeah. nutty mm. um so so just to go back to my original question so where if if you were at a five before on your faith in yeah. the uk whereabouts would you say you are now <laughs> Oh, mate, uh, like a minus 10, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not great. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. keep thinking back to, I don't know if you ever have this, but I think back to 2016 when I was, like, even before I wasn't married, I didn't have kids, and I remember marching, and I worked for a right-wing newspaper, and I was so shocked when Brexit, when we left the EU, even though I kind of knew it was going to happen, but also mm. just thought, no, surely no one's that stupid. Like, we're not that stupid. And then every day after that, yeah, I have always thought it can't get any worse and it and it keeps getting worse. Yeah, this has become my sort of... And I, I yeah. This, is, <laughs> this has become my sort of catchphrase now is like... Uh, the worst thing for the UK now would be that Boris Johnson goes for the leadership again and becomes prime minister again. So obviously that is what is going to happen. <laughs> like, an, that's gonna happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. like every sure, single yeah. time I haven't been disappointed. I mean, that's probably the wrong way of phrasing it. I was going to say, I haven't been disappointed yet, but I'm being disappointed. <laughs> I'm being, I'm being proven yeah. right by my constant disappointment. If that's a, a better way of saying it, but like, yeah. So we're perpetually disappointed. Yeah, but it's like it makes it, it, it's a little bit of sugar to go with the medicine. If I predict the shitness and then the shitness comes true, it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's still shit, but at least I was right, you know? For it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, feeling right about something. The only hope is... I have. <laughs> Sorry, continue. That's yeah. also important. You've got to get your kicks where you can get them. Um, the only, The only good thing and the only, only piece of it's not hope at all it's just solace that i have from all of this is that the worse it gets the funnier britain gets yeah that is my only solace because if we have a really bad news week which is basically every week i think oh do you know what tiktok's going to be absolutely hilarious this week <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is that like it's going to be so funny there's there's a real um and i think it's actually quite 
spe- special, dare I say special, about the British. I think we have a real knack for gallows yeah. humour, you know, blitz spirit, like when things are so inarguably shit and it is shit to be British in Britain. There's a there's an element of like sarcasm and self-effacing and self-deprecation humour that just flourishes. <laughs> yeah and it's it's brilliant and we become so creative as well yeah and i think that's not exclusive to britain but that's the only good thing about these terrible terrible times is that the creativity is flowing and it's really hilarious yeah it's sort of i suppose from like selfishly from my perspective running doing the podcast that i do and making this sort of content content the the sort of content that i do (laughs) um it's like you know make what's the expression make hay while the sun shines absolutely yeah um you are you're raking it in we should i'm not really at you uh you you are basically a misery influencer aren't you yes i'm a binfluencer (laughs) uh yes exactly yeah i take (laughs) to coin your own time yeah you're a binfluencer i take the awfulness of the world I show it to you. I'm like, look at this shit. Isn't it? F- oh, it's terrible like that. And then the idea is it's sort of a psychological magic trick. You feel some sort of empathy and catharsis with me also thinking that the world is shit. So you feel like you're having a good time. And then I just bombard you with like sadness and bad news and shit until you're inconsolably like hysterical. <laughs> and then a few hours later, when you think back to having been on this, you'll be like, I remember feeling empathetic and, you know, catharsis and being in hysterics. So it must have been a good time, I guess. Like that's the that's the trick. <laughs> um let's talk a bit about like do you what, have any hope do i have hope I'm, sorry, um, I'm interrupting no 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 you go no but i'll 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 quickly answer this uh and then we'll jump on to the next bit um do i have hope i not really no I've, i sort of feel like for for the uk specifically i think we have really performed a blinder at shooting ourselves in the ass and i think there's no real leadership that is bold enough to hold up their hands and say Brexit was a monumental error and we need to correct it ASAP. Um, on the Tory side, because it's too politically volatile for them. Um, and on Labour's side, actually, it's probably too politically volatile for them also. Like it would, there's a, a, a very real fear that it would evoke red wall tensions again. Um, so what you get is two exactly, yeah. major political parties and neither one of them have got the balls to do the thing that we all n- agree secretly that we do need to do. It's um, So I think we'll probably carry on spiralling. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. We're not going to see hope in our generation, are we? Not unless there's some sort of... Um, I mean, like today, Jeremy Hunt did his speech where he said he was like the the british plan for economic prosperity was to invest in green energy um and digital and you know futurism basically um and when he's talking about that stuff i was sort of a a little bit g'd up because i was like yes like we should we should just be teaching kids how to code like the end like they can learn the other stuff if they want to everything else should be opt-in opt-out you know maths english and coding is how this should work um 
because that's going to be the dominant skill of, of the future. But then he started like peppering the speech with shit about like increasing productivity in the UK and taking advantage of <laughs> the opportunities that Brexit has given us. And I was like reading through the li- between the <laughs> lines going like, so basically you're just going to bin the working time directive and all of the EU employment law protections and you're going to make everyone work like 50, 60 hours. Like it's going to be fucking sweatshop Britain. Goodbye maternity pay. Goodbye annual leave. That's how, that's the only option he has left after binning the single market and not wanting to invite yeah. immigrants in to fill the labour shortage. It's just like... Okay, I guess we're all going to work a lot harder against our will. Do you? Does yeah, it, we really like, are in late stage capitalism now, aren't we? It feels like yeah, the last dance, like like the jazz band playing on the Titanic just before it goes down. Um, you have, oh God, yeah. you've got you've got one child or, or two children. Two. Two. Okay, so here's a question: being of the mindset that we are where we sort of agree that we're on the way out uh well at least the uk is circling the drain Mm. um and that faith is dead uh how do you like how do you kind of do you protect your kids from that do you worry for them and their future in a way that like sends you into a bit of a psychological meltdown like how do you handle that I mean, I don't really. I drink a lot, but also <laughs> we're on the same stage, aren't we? We've got little kids, and mm. so we don't. I feel like I am so taken up by emotionally regulating myself and them, mm. and doing the real minutiae of life, which is snacks. What's next? Snacks, brushing teeth, admin, school. Do you know what? I I don't feel that I am in the stage when I need to worry about the I'm not I'm not thinking about their future in terms of the planet probably won't be here we'll probably all be (laughs) no I don't think that but I I I don't have the brain capacity to think that far ahead because I'm in the rush hour of parenting (laughs) yeah yeah it's probably it's probably a, a more mentally healthy space to be in because it's i'm sure so i did um i did uh cognitive behavioral therapy about four years ago um and there was i'm sure there's a term for this but i can't remember what what it was but it was it was basically like to stop worrying about things that happened in the past but then focus on literally in the moment kind of like what am i doing right now i'm talking to lucy on a podcast and then like you know i'll go inside don't think about x y and z what am i doing oh i'm breading some but you know just try and live in the moment more than obsessing over things that have already happened that you have no control over and i think there's echoes in of that in what you're saying it's like do do you look forward to like 10 15 years down the line and worry if the the planet is fried (laughs) cooked to a cinder and uninhabitable or do you just sort of focus on you know making sure that this is done that this child is clothed and you know it's bath time and yeah so that's kind of all i can cope with really but yeah i was gonna say like so talking about you know the uk circling the drain uh if we broaden that out <clears throat> to some extent so we talk about like if we have faith in the uk 
What about if you look more sort of like internationally? Like, do you have much faith in the future of the planet? Like climate change, pandemics, uh, nuclear war? Like it feels to me at this stage, like there is this sort of triple threat. Uh, like what's the likelihood that we as a species survive another like 50 years or 100 years? You know, where where do you sit with that sort of stuff? The thing that I, so I'm Arab, um, and because of that, I've always been very pro-Palestinian and pretty cognitive or cognizant of like Palestinian issues. Mm. Um, I said that for me has always yeah. been something that frightens me, like ha- like every day. And I know for the majority of people, it's not something that you necessarily read about or read about in a partisan way or in mm. a objective way because i'm even scared to like say like to even talk about it a lot of people are scared to even talk about it mm. because of the danger of being considered anti-semitic right. in being in just be declaring yourself pro-palestinian yeah um and, and yeah so but so because of that i think that my the thing that really uh, worries me is are we just forever in the global north going to ignore the global south and turn a blind eye to the devastation is happening there all the time, mm. which will only get worse with climate change and the effects of climate change. Um, and will that continue to happen? And will things continue to become more and more right-wing? And the noise become contr- like more and more controlled by the right-wing? Mm. And we'll just live in these bubbles where certain people, you and I perhaps, and people similar to us with the same kind of worldviews, be consuming like all this horror. Like, why is nobody talking about this, this, and this? yeah so that's the thing that frustrates me the most and then the second thing or the thing that worries me the most and the second thing that worries me the most is that putin is being incredibly embarrassed he is so embarrassed by what is happening to him right now that surely yeah (laughs) he would just be like fuck you all (laughs) i'm gonna nuke you because this is embarrassing (laughs) yeah 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 i mean there is that so I was sort of led to believe that he was on his last legs. Do you remember all those news stories? Like he was going to, he was like, I saw quotes from people saying, you know, I'm a doctor. I'm a specialist in this particular type of cancer. And um, I've, I've seen people that look like him and I'd say he's got six weeks left top. Like, and he's still fucking here. Uh, So I sort of hoped, I suppose, like a lot of people, he, he was on his way out and, you know, I, feel sad for his family having lost a son and an uncle or whatever but geopolitically it would work out pretty well for everyone if he just quietly snuffed it Mm. um but yeah (laughs) i it 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 appears now that he's a not dying and b yeah he feels like he's sort of backed into a corner humiliated um but then Mm. like here's the thing like do i just think Mm. that because that's what i've roundly been fed by our news is that he's humiliated is that you know it hasn't gone his way like for all i know 
I've consumed a load of like Western media, but actually the real picture on the ground floor is that he had already planned that this was going to be likely a two year or three year engagement. And that at the last minute, I don't know, China will step in and then he'll get, you know, North Korea to sit like, like, could it all be going perfectly to plan for him? And we're just being, we're the ones that are in the weird, like Russian state controlled media echo chamber, you know? I don't think so. Just based on how he took Crimea last time, and mm. yeah, I and to be honest, I I think more he's more he's obsessed with Crimea, of course, but he is mm. also obsessed with his own public image because he's a like appears to be a narcissist. Yeah. Then something that just gets bandied about all the time. He appears to be quite a narcissist, and I think most uh, authoritarians are typically narcissistic. Yeah. Oh, that was a satisfying sound. Yeah. <laughs> um, satisfying drink and too. And so, yeah, <laughs> nice. I I would go one further. I would um, say, in my hugely unmedically qualified opinion, I would say he appears to be a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, I also also hugely unqualified, but also would say definitely I would diagnose him as that. And I mean the way that look he's a man and i think there's nothing more emotional than a man with a lot of power watching another man with a lot of power be more desired and loved and um adored mm. by the world than he is like he he hates that yeah <laughs> he absolutely freaking hates it but then who do you think he's sort of jealous of that's got more power that is, what, like Biden or someone or? No, Zelensky. Oh, yes. Yeah. But then here's, Zelensky. here's a curveball, right? So uh, if you go into Russia, I, th I think, I hope I'm not talking shit here and maybe I'll have to Google it while I'm talking shit but um isn't putin actually <laughs> quite popular domestically like in russia i think they quite like him no yeah like he's been around for such a long time that i think he is pretty popular let's have a look but i, but I don't think that's the problem it's the world it's the rest of the world right he wants to control all of us like he can control russia to a, yeah to a pretty great extent he can't control the rest of us yeah we all love Zelensky <laughs> overwhelmingly <laughs> yeah well right at the beginning of the uh invasion he was almost like kind of a heartthrob like I saw people sharing pictures um, of yeah, him he is kind of a heartthrob he you know, is hot with the guns out you know mm -hmm. and also he is such a dream boat. is I love he him. really interesting like let's yes. play with this idea okay so you, you right you get a, a hall pass from your husband right he's off on his stag weekend or whatever sure. he says you could do whatever you yeah. like with whomsoever you wish uh and you go to a party and inexplicably at this party yeah. leonardo dicaprio <laughs> uh brad pitt and then Zelensky are all in and they're all, they're all like lucy one time just next door there's a four poster bed please come with me which one do you pick Zelensky 100% really that's you picked the wrong men for him, though, really really what you needed to pick is my three men the three men that I would find very difficult to say no to 
you're you may think differently of me i don't i don't think you'll ever speak to me again after this um tom hardy obviously okay sure and danny dyer wow okay okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. i've got a friend who was always like she had a massive crush on danny dyer since forever uh yeah, same. Tom Hardy's... I will fight her for <laughs> Yeah, Tom Hardy's more sort of, I guess, yeah. not... Like, popular is the wrong He's word. like, obvious. Yeah, like, a lot, yeah. a lot of people fancy him, right? Um, Danny Dyer, even now, though, or, like, back in the human traffic days, or... Yeah. Really? No, 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 more so now, more mm. so now. But then, to be fair, I have loved him since human traffic, and obviously I've aged with him. Mm. So... Yeah, I cannot tell you, and I'm also a massive EastEnders fan and always have been, like, since I was, I don't know, like, nine or ten. Yeah. So when he died, well, suspected died in EastEnders, like, that was a hard time for me. Yeah. I've been having a lot of time since then. You're still in mourning, are you? Hugely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you can never underestimate the appeal, I think, of a sort of working-class lad with a sort of Cockney accent uh, mm-hmm. or middle-class sounding women. <laughs> like, like. so I, I, I'll tell you a story, actually. So one time I was uh, getting on the train on the tube after a few beers uh, when I used to work in the city. And uh, I'd had a couple of beers, but this guy that got on was obviously steaming. Uh, and this woman, I say woman, sort of more of a, girl you know sort of 18 19 uh in a nice sort right. of pretty dress with like cherries or something on it and um uh and he gets yeah. on having had a skin full and i'm just sat there minding my business reading the metro or london light or whatever and he gets on and she's eat like eating his e- 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 sorry she is eating some chips and they're from com- two completely different worlds seemingly uh and he goes he goes all right and she's like trying to like ignore him the way that you would do if this sort of you know drunk like lightly led gets on and uh she's like um okay so she gives him a chip and then he goes i like your dress like that and she's like um okay thanks (laughs) he goes can i have another chip like that and she goes yeah yeah okay like that so she gives him another chip and then, so then this goes, like, and I'm sat there with my newspaper thinking, oh, please, just leave her alone. Like, she's probably had a hard day. Like, it's the end of the week. You're obviously, like, just leave her the fuck alone. I, I mean, I, I wasn't so chivalrous that I got up and then sort of, you know, parted them or, like, said, oh, yeah. stop, <laughs> stop bothering her, you know. But I felt good about myself having judged you him. You said that all in your head. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like a nice guy in my head for just thinking it. Uh, so anyway, then he's like... um. He goes, where are you from? Like, what's your name? And uh, she's like, uh, she tells him and she said, like, and I'm just thinking any minute now she's going to go like, oh, look, could you just like leave us? Like, I just want to go and sit with my, f-. I really thought that's where this was headed. And he goes, um, like, what's your name? And she says, like, Stacy or Sally or something. And um, and then he goes, all right, Sally, I'm going to lean in and kiss you like that. And I'm just sat there like wide eyed with this fucking newspaper I'm like, where is this going? And I like look up 
and then she's like I, I really don't think you should do that and he's like i'm just gonna lean in i'm gonna kiss you and if you don't want me to yeah you just like push me away like and i'm just thinking you can't fuck what planet are you on where you get on a tube start harassing some woman who obviously doesn't want to be harassed. She just wants to eat her chips. And then you're like, you're going to lean in and kiss, like bothering her. And you're going to try, what, like, what are you doing? Anyway, like he goes, I'm just going to lean in. I'm just going to kiss you. And if you don't like, and she's like, no, I I really don't think you should. And he's like, here I come, here I come. And he leans in and then he goes to, and then his lips touch her. She wraps her arms around him and they both start snogging and they got off the train together. Sure. I totally, that would have worked on me. Really? <laughs> this is the wrong uh, advice yeah. to be putting out there. In a world of <laughs> in a world of budding Andrew Tate like fans and uh, <laughs> Oh my god, right, yeah. But it, it probably it wouldn't work on me now. No. Because I'd be like I I've got more about me now. However, I cannot deny that if Danny Dyer came up to me and did that move, yeah. it would be over. I mean, it'd be over for my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then it's like, sometimes I think like, do I know the full context of that? Like, were they both in the same bar before and she was like giving him the eye and then he followed her on the train? No, there's no context to that. Of course it wasn't. It was just an entitled, entitled man. Yeah. Probably, he probably isn't an incel, but he probably loves at the time probably loved Jordan Peterson and thinks of himself as an alpha mm. and also was quite hot. Yeah. <laughs> That's the the factor that nobody ever fucking talks about. Like, right, so I, I mentioned this to Dapper Laughs when he was on a few weeks ago and he seemed, to be fair to him, he seemed a lot more worldly, a lot more aware of some of the things that he had said when he was a bit younger that were now, you know, in the, in the sober eyes of today's, uh, I guess you would call it cancel culture or, you know, sort of more progressive uh, discourse would appear to be very problematic now. But anyway, whilst we were talking, I said to him, I was like, do you sort of, do you understand that for a guy like you, who is traditionally quite a, a handsome guy, and I was like, I'm not trying to butter your ass here. Like, I'm just saying, you know, you're obviously a good looking guy. So for a guy like you, if you run up to a girl on the street and you say certain things to her and then she responds well that there is a responsibility there that then you must know that there are uglier guys out there who really want to have sex who will see the way that you treat women like that and then they'll go like oh fucking that's how you do it look he ran he ran up to that girl and then he just started talking about her boobs to her and she went home with him like so obviously that's what and then they go out and try and it's like fucking call the police this like do you see the different and he he was like really responsive to it he was like yeah i get that now i didn't when i was younger like but don't you think that all comes down to the idea that men are owed sex like or they're not owed sex they are entitled to sex with a woman heterosexual men I think are socialized to believe that they are entitled to sex with a woman. I think it, uh, yeah. So this is is quite a prickly area to get into because I don't think, and I like, I don't want to say not all men, like hashtag, but it's it depends on the guy because if you, 
if you de- if you get together with a guy with crushingly low self-esteem lucy <laughs> he will just be thankful when he gets it it's just like that you you allow him to have sex with you uh but i imagine yeah there's no shortage of men out there who've been conditioned to think that they are owed it um and get in a mood but and we get in a there are. we know there are yeah um, i don't think you can even just imagine you literally know that oh are. yeah yeah um one of the things even like we just know like and when i say men are socialized to, to think that i don't mean the thing that i always think of is that uh line from mary poppins mm. as a, you know when she sings the wife is going on a suffragette rally and she says she's talking about men she says as a group we all agree they Although we adore them individually, I'm having to say it as I I would normally remember it because I sing it. As although we adore them individually, as a group, we we all agree they are quite stupid. That's how I feel about men. Like I I I have male friends, lots of male friends, people like you who I adore individually and think are oh, great. As a group, men are quite stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's like it's not men's not men's fault and it's not all men (laughs) yeah but the key thing there is when you say socialized it's like that's the thing isn't it it's like looking at things through a socio like a almost like an anthropological anthropological prism it's like how are men raised and treated through firstly through our society but then also through like like what common um traits are there between like our society other countries that have similar societies but then other like tribes and like what are the like women get treated yeah. terribly whether you are in a close-knit circle of friends in london in hoxton in like the most mm-hmm. progressive part of the uk yeah. or if you go into the depths of an amazonian rainforest and hang out with a tribe like either or like so there's obviously something innate there that the more physically strong um gender is always no, predisposed I no? Think that, no i don't i think that's a mistake because that takes away responsibility doesn't it and i think that means that almost means that we can't change things I don't think it's individual men's fault that they end up being entitled to a woman's body or just entitled in life. Mm. They are socialized by the world to believe that they, and it's, it's bad also because you're all, if you're in a heterosexual relationship Mm. and you have children whether however progressive you are you and your partner are you will have the burden of feeling like you have to be the breadwinner and you have to bring home the bacon and that also you have to be a present father because if you're an if you're a millennial Mm. then you want to be different to your parents perhaps and well this is why you you know your children you want to be a this is why I like to prize myself as being the most progressive man in the UK by actively telling my girlfriend, I think you should be the breadwinner and just go out. I'm, I'm happy to stay at home and leech. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, exactly. Not all men. <laughs> but feminism. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Though, like, it's 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 an interesting area. So I agree that it does take away some responsibility. Like, it doesn't mean that we that we need to uh, forgive all men of any responsibility of doing the right thing, uh, because we do have free will. And we do know right from wrong. But I also think you can't argue with the fact that there are these common traits across all different walks of life. So there there clearly is. I mean, unless we're going to make the case that people in New York passed the baton all the way over to an Amazonian rainforest and they learned behaviours off themselves, like tribes who are untouched by our civilization have also picked up these same traits. Like That doesn't make much sense to me. Um, I think there is an an innate... Say again? Do we know that, though? Because what tribe has been completely untouched by humans and any kind of outside influence, Uh, that is... Yeah, I mean... The same levels of, you know, sexual abuse and inequality. I don't think we can blanketly say that. Yeah, so I would struggle to pull out a, the name of a tribe for you. It's um, you know, I'll get round to that PhD one day. But, <laughs> Why? <laughs> but um, but I'm quite confident in saying like there yeah, are. I mean, me too. <laughs> that I I like it feels to me like it's more likely to be an innate thing, given that it's it's actually the same throughout like other species. Even like it's you know you you'll look at it in groups of primates. Um, you'll look at it in like packs of tigers and shit. like it's always the male that is more physically strong that then dominates and treats the females shitly um, it doesn't make it right but that's also not true that's also not true oh, please. Well, I will correct me, please. I will raise tigers or I'll, I'll give you tigers and I'll raise you elephants they're mm. matriarchal okay well so then the men get treated like shit yeah, they get pushed out. When they're younger, they get pushed out. When they're young, and they have to go and fend for themselves. Yeah. And they, you know, fight other men or whatever, and then go and procreate and all the rest of it. But the women are stronger physically, yeah. mentally. Interesting. Okay. I've been educated tonight. I mean, I, mean, I, guess... I said that in such a confident, confident way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do like a follow-up thing now. Like I'll be like, by the way, when Lucy was telling me this the other day, look, I just found this. Uh, I mean, you could literally have made that up, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, that's fascinating." Um, I know. <laughs> I promise, I haven't. Yeah, it, it was fueled by quite a few proseccos. So <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I will say this: I hope it's true, purely on the basis that then next time, like when we are complaining that men have it easy or that they treat women, I can be like, "Yeah, but fucking look at elephants." So it's all you know, it's a bit balanced. This world thing. <laughs> Go and be an elephant. Um, I won't say that really. That would be really big. Um, <laughs> but I am banking it. It's going to be in there for the next. Uh, next... I know you are. Yeah. Um, let's talk for a minute then about like. So we talked a bit about the UK circling the drain, and uh, we talked about sort of you know trying to stay in the moment, not worrying too much about uh, the future from your from your kids' perspectives. Um, I feel like, like, what do you think is the most likely end for us in the next, like, 10, 15 years? Do you think we'll go out via nuclear war? Do you think it'll be a pandemic, like a new variant or brand new fucking wet market thing? Or is it going to be climate change? Are we going to get fried alive? Like, what's your chosen end of the world scenario? 
oh my god that's really that's really difficult because so my dad was a very pragmatic person he mm. was an immigrant a doctor in the nhs like he was just a person who was he was just pragmatic right so i always grew up with someone saying you know like things go in cycles like things are shit and then they're better like just don't even worry about it and like balance you know have a cigarette but also like have a vegetable whatever fyi he did <laughs> die of lung cancer so uh, okay. <laughs> yeah but then it goes in circles right cycles so like you know exactly he went out by that but <laughs> maybe he'll come back i don't know like... <laughs> yeah maybe also yeah. i don't smoke so that's helpful <laughs> good yeah um so i kind of always feel like um everything will probably be okay mm. like everything is shit on a on a micro level right like it's so shit for so many people we were talking beforehand and like we're not immune to it even though we're in like we're we have privilege we're not immune to cost of living like it is hard it's mm. a struggle for the majority of people but i just feel like everything will be okay even even climate change and i truly believe in and also the science and the fact that humans are incredibly adaptable mm. i and yeah i'm not saying it's gonna it's not gonna get worse and like lots of people will die and things will things will be shit as a whole i think the yeah. world will continue you're yeah. actually more yeah sort of positive yeah. about things than i am <laughs> I'm like sort of I'm like <laughs> probably what will happen is we'll figure out how to get through climate change and we will avoid a nuclear mm. war. Brexit will kind of sort itself out just at the point where all of the oil runs out. So we'll, like we'll feel like everything like sure, you know yeah. we came really close to solving x y and z and then once the oil runs out the whole fucking world implodes. Wars start, electricity yeah. stops like um that's the thing that terrifies me and, and it has done like I, I swear to god i've been traumatized by this movie it's a documentary called um collapse and it was made in 2008 2007 something like that and it's with it's an interview an hour-long interview with this guy called michael c ruppert and he was an ex-cia uh operative um and the movie like the the way that the documentary guys started talking to him was to do with like CIA operations in uh, African-American communities in the 70s and 80s. Uh, but then they started asking him about some more recent stuff. And he was talking about like how the US has no published plan for how to deal with the scenario of peak oil, which is the idea that uh, production of oil will peak and then it will slowly decline. Uh, and he was like predicting you know the uh the gulf war and he was predicting like there's like archive footage of him saying like yeah well i mean you'll probably see a lot more wars in the middle east um they'll probably dress it up as um you know liberating countries but really what they want to do is construct a massive fucking pipeline like all of this stuff that then went on to happen um and uh yeah it's just like ever since i saw that documentary i'm just like i've not seen anything yet that's caused me to believe that that is not precisely what's happening <laughs> um so i'm like even if we well, fix thank you so much for 
sponsoring my nightmares for <laughs> yeah look all i'm saying is that if you're I feeling really a, <laughs> if you're feeling a little bit too upbeat a little bit too optimistic and it's you know you, you're like oh i don't like this then <laughs> go and have a look for collapse on youtube i'm sure it's probably still on there no um, absolutely not <laughs> yeah i mean if 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 the problem that you're trying to solve they deluded <laughs> If you if the problem that you're trying to solve is that you're too optimistic, then go and watch it. If the problem that you're trying to solve is to be able to sleep better, then do not watch it because uh, there's there's footage of him as he walks into a lecture theatre. He's giving a lecture about this stuff, and uh, he starts his fucking lecture off by saying like, "Okay, I'm just going to say this now before I get started. I would strongly advise all of you to pre-plan." that you roll yourself up a big joint <laughs> or pour yourself a glass of wine or whatever the fuck it is that you need to calm down after I've finished talking about like, cause he knows that he's about to tell these people like sort of how it really is and how doomed everything is. Um, yeah, it's really fucked. <laughs> oh God. Thanks so much for that. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> some podcasters like to leave their audience on a, you know, up, uh upwards tick you know keep them hungry for the next one but um no i like to really you know crash this shit down um i tell you what we, what we could do lucy we could do some quick fire questions lighten the mood a bit you ready yeah let's do it okay because we've been talking for an hour so let's uh let's let's get through the quick fires and then i'm gonna thank you and uh then i'm just gonna let you go uh so here we go um question number one what's your favorite color oh black i know it's not really a color i don't even want to talk about it don't at me about this but black that's fine you can have black what's your favorite animal elephant oh of course yeah silly question yeah i've got a, a tattoo of an elephant somewhere yeah is that because of oh, the you can't really see it. is that because of the matriarchal stuff that you were telling me about I'm just obsessed with it. I just love it. Okay. I no, just thought, I just love them. I love them. That'd be a nice, like, sort of, you know, tie up there. Um, what's your favourite swear word? Oh, cunt. Ah, oh, beautiful. Um, that's mine too. Always. Yeah. Best one. Okay, question five. <laughs> Last one. Um, everyone has a hobby. Some like to learn languages. Others paint or sing in a band. What I like to do is quietly ruminate over traumatic memories of stupid things I said and did when I was a younger man. Uh, what is your biggest regret of your 20s? Oh, fuck. Um, my 20s. I, I know people say this, and it's really earnest and really trite. But I genuinely, genuinely don't have regrets, only because... If I regret that one thing, then kind of it, it follows that I wouldn't have ended up in the situation that I am now, or yeah. be the person I am now. However, if I wasn't, if, if I was going to be less of a cunt, I would say going to university. Interesting. Yeah, I also I feel similarly about university. There's the financial aspect where I'm like, I can't believe yeah. I put myself in, and like, and I had it pretty good compared to today's standards. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, but it still took me until I was about 28, I think, to pay off my student loans. Um, I still haven't. <laughs> have you not? 
no, and I'm 40 this year. Yeah. I'm not paying that off. It's <laughs> fucking nutty, isn't it? It's like, like, and now, like, these kids today, like, going to university for, like, you know, 30 grand or 40 grand debt, I'm just like, you're out of your fucking mind. Like, all those courses are free on the internet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go and Completely fucking learn it. Learn a skill on like egghead.com or like even YouTube. Like so many tutorials. I taught myself yeah. to code off YouTube. Um, just do that shit. Learn to code when you're like 14 or 15. Then you'll be contracting mm -hmm. by the time you're like 18, 19. Move into the student house at Leeds University while all of your mates are going into debt. Meanwhile, you're fucking raking it in. Like, yes. Um, actually, I've got one more. One more quick fire for you. Ready? Yeah, go for it. Um, last one. If you could donate one famous face to a portrait yeah. gallery exhibition entitled People with Punchable Faces, whose would it be? Oh, that is so hard because there's so fucking many of them. <laughs> Who I... has a really punchable oh, face? so hard. Like, pretty much the entire Tory party. However... There's Dominic Robb for me is the one that I want to, if I saw him in real life, I would want to stab him between the eyes. Okay. I admit, I, I, I fantasize about doing some really awful stuff to that man. He is so fucking punchable. It's disgusting. The problem you got with Robb really is that he's a black belt in fucking something or other, isn't he? I feel like if you punched him, he would. Like... I would, I could take him. Do you reckon? Oh, you like elephant tattoo i get it yeah it's fine um i could do it yeah okay <laughs> uh my my most punchable face i think would be i feel like piers morgan has got a really like squishy red cheeked oh, like yeah. punchable face or like yeah you know clarkson maybe i don't oh, know oh my god yeah what's yeah like jeremy clarkson but his actual face is yeah it, it's just so like like it would be mm. visceral like if i if i squished my hard fist mm. into his face i it would like i would come from both balls yeah, it feels so good <laughs> um there's a slight delay on like when we're talking from my end so like every now and then i'll like crack a joke or say something a little bit off color and it, it's like silence and i'm like oh fuck i pushed it too far <laughs> <laughs> um thank you so much for joining me tonight lucy Lucraft. um guys please do go and give lucy a follow on uh, on instagram you'll find her tagged on my uh my promo stuff that i've been putting out about the podcast um also check out her podcast uh what she said with lucy lucraft um i don't know are you take are you on a break from the podcast at the moment are you coming back with some new shows or maybe ish yeah maybe i like to think i will but i'm very lazy about it yeah maybe fair play the podcast producer speaks uh cool okay <laughs> so yeah go and seek out Lu lucy lucraft um she produces uh podcasts for uh corporates and uh, entrepreneurs and so on so um if that's your bag if you're considering starting a podcast to expand your business and get your messaging and products and services out there then obviously get in touch um i'll be back next wednesday with a solo show in which i'll no doubt be ranting and roasting about the uh the week's uh political quagmires um and then i'll be back with my guest next week who i have no idea who the fuck i booked but tune in next week, uh, 
uh, 7.30 on the YouTube live stream. Uh, there's a lot of people listening to this for the first time just like, this. Th- what, like, what even is this? Sh-? This isn't fucking news night. That's what this show is. Um, uh, <laughs> thanks again to all of the Patreons for continuing your support. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick readout now, if I can just quickly <laughs> get the, uh, the list up in front of me. See, super prepped. Um, 13 Patreons now. We're doing well, guys. Um, big shouts to Stuart, Aaron. Oh, wait, no, hold on. Wait. There we go. Stuart, Anthony, uh, Pingu, David, Alex, Chris, and Rax, and then Ricardo, Silent, T Rex, Oliver, Sarah, and Kerry. Thank you so, so much, you guys, uh, for continuing to support the show. Uh, you give my funny bone a funny boner. Uh, I'm out. See you later. Ciao.